0: comes from Luke 1. We're doing a new series. If you uh, just finished Philippians and we're, we're doing a four or five week series on uh, mercy and justice. And uh, and we're starting off this week with uh, Pastor Howard's sermon on the birth of mercy. And it comes from Luke. The Luke narratives about uh, the nativity uh, and the events sounding surrounding nativity. Scripture reading comes from Luke 1, 67 through 79. His father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied. Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come and has redeemed his people. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he said through his holy prophets of long ago. Salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us. To show mercy to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath he swore to our father Abraham to rescue us from the hand of our enemies and to enable us to serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him, to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in the darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the path of peace. God's word for God's people.
1: Churches that are like our city churches, urban churches, are crazy in their marketing and validity if they don't say they're doing it And look like they're doing it and talk about it a whole lot. But it has unfortunately become a means and ends unto itself. A means of righteousness for church people. It has backfired in many instances, becoming what it should not have, a patronizing and and sometimes imperialistic mission to the poor and dark and evil by the rich and proper and righteous and competent. Mercy has wrongly become a, see God and see everybody, I'm okay, look at what I did for those people. Mercy has in many ways become a new means by which the well-off and the self-proclaimed morally advanced Kind of get rid of the guilt of greed and prejudice. Looking for a dirty or dirty place, dirty or dark face or, or poor area to, to not love it really. But to use it as, as a commode of sorts for, for the refuse of, of guilt-driven works that, that stink to high heaven, yet which mercy workers come in and think people should at least be glad for that. It has become a faceless trend, sometimes without personality. And thus, like every other human institution, mercy ministry often is corrupt or questionable or non-powerful. It really doesn't make a difference. And sometimes after churches go in and do mercy ministry and and work with mercy, people come out angrier than they were before the church went in and did something. This passage in John sings with mercy. Mercy. Mercy, mercy, God's unmerited and unsolicited relief to creation in general, God's unmerited and unsolicited relief specifically to and through his own people. And in doing so, it teaches us, this passage teaches us, that mercy is really a person. It isn't a work outside of a person. That for our world, mercy has been born. Then in our groans for mercy, God truly has sent help. That he sent help from a world that groans because of the pain of desolation. Look with me at verse 68. Uh, Zechariah is praising the Lord here and he says, praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come and has redeemed his people. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he said to his holy prophets of long ago. Salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all those who hate us. To show mercy to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath he swore to our father Abraham. To rescue us from the hand of our enemies and enable us to serve him without fear. And then in verse 79, it says to shine on those living in darkness and the shadow of death. To guide our feet into the path of peace. Now, Zechariah expresses and addresses issues in real time and real space. When he says things like the hands of his enemies, he is talking specifically about the nation of Israel, a nation within a nation under the heavy hand and weight and control of an invading empire, a place they have been as a people for over a thousand years, in large part because of their own corruption. Because of their own sin, they have become easy targets and easily wooed by the glory and power and strength of the various governments and empires. It's their greed and lack of benevolence that has brought poverty upon their own people. They're selling each other out to move up. Under the oppression of other empires, they have been and feel imprisoned and burdened. Now, in this particular historical cross-section, Zechariah speaks directly about the advancing and vain character of the Roman Empire. That in its desire for power and wealth and world dominance and control, much like modern day superpowers like our own country, there is this undercurrent to the power, the undercurrent of the glory. There's there's a world of growing poverty and homelessness and there's a lot of corruption and, and a lot of prideful taking of stuff. There's rampant racism and prejudice and there's a long list of injustices like their own country people are being overlooked and built on, like the dirt the foundation of a luxury home sits on. And it's stuff and, and pain we all know and feel personally. It's stuff that we have participated in, stuff we drive by every day in our cars, stuff we overlook purposely. It is the desolation of cities In a world that is out of control yet is linked to our own mistakes. That what mercy is looking to help is is personal and communal mistakes that have created somewhat of a backup and backwash of, of some of the sewer of our own unjust and evil and apathetic thinking. Look around. Poverty and hatred and greed and fear and loneliness make us groan. In pain. Now, this is a pain that is indicative of the real need in our groan for mercy. You see, our pain, the pain we all feel, is a result of distress. It's a pain of distance from the Lord. Look with me again at verse 72. He says, To show mercy. God's going to show mercy to our fathers and remember his holy holy covenant. The oath he swore to our father Abraham to rescue us from the hand of our enemies and to enable us to serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. Now, Get what he's saying. The pain that we need mercy for is not just about the evils and poverty of the city and world. It's the pain of being separated from God. Let me give you a little redemptive history here. The land, its prosperity and security were, were a promise linked to the covenant spoken about in, in verse 72 to Abraham and his people. So that poverty and insecurity and fear and somebody taking the land over were all signs of, 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 of a curse. It, it, it was when you have poverty and these issues and they're no longer controlling their land what they're saying is we're fallen because of individual and corporate sin because of historical human offense against God we now are in a position where we are separated from Him look at the symptoms and the symptoms of being separated in relationship from the God of Heaven is the poverty and distress they feel but for Zechariah and his people There is a pain of distress and distance that God has forgotten them. I mean, look at the world. We'll never be a country again. We'll never be free again. We're trapped in poverty. God must have left us alone to perish and be punished for our sins. After the First World War, people were saying, What? God is dead. Look at, the, look at the death. Look at the inability of nations to get along. We're in a worldwide war. God must be dead. Then after the Second World War, what was it? Yeah, God's alive, but he's mean and he's evil and, and he's hard. He's abusive. And for many now, desolation says, who cares if there's a God? Because the opposite doesn't care whether he's dead or alive. It just doesn't matter. Now, whether you consciously believe it or not, we hurt and suffer in our desolation because of our deep longings for being. We long for this cosmic father who kind of cares for us and, and will care for us like children who have made mistakes but are loved anyway. And the pain of our world says there is no God. And if there is, he is deaf or blind or abusive. We hurt because we know We need a God. Think historically about what we've been able to accomplish as human beings. We've done some good things. But war, corruption, pain, hatred, self-destruction, uncontrollable greed. And then when you say you're doing mercy ministry, trying to help, what is really at the bottom of it? You have this kind of need to control your world and others in a way that makes you feel more secure. That's what we've been able to accomplish. We ourselves are tainted and crushed, and we pain because we are powerless to change our world and ourselves enough to make the decisive difference. And now we see the basis and joy behind Zechariah's song. John's birth means that God is addressing the pain. Because John will speak of what is true. this is what John will tell us, that the Lord has not forgotten or left, regardless of what it looks around you, that that you have not been relegated and, and condemned to live without comfort in the world. For the Lord will give mercy to the world and to his people. Look with me at verse 68. Again, praise to the Lord, the God of Israel. Because he has come and has redeemed his people. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in, in the house of his servant David. As he said to his holy prophets of long ago, salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show mercy to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant and the oath he swore to our father Abraham to rescue us from the hand of our enemies. And then again, verse 78 and 79 Because of the tender mercy of our God, by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the path of peace. Understand again the language used here. The hand of haters in verse 71. Rescue used in verse 74. The sun in darkness in verse 78, 79. What is it saying? That the Lord is going to and has invaded our world and our history with mercy. Now this is an invasion that is good. This invasion is a good word when we talk about God's mercy. He's invading for the issues of our world and personal lives, and sometimes invasion is the word to use because the pain we feel it feels less like an open wound that you could just put something on, and when you look around the world, when you look at the world and its issues and your own issues that you're trapped in, it feels more like a disease. Like there's a cancer. Like our world is a pterodome, you know? No one gets out. No one can break through to bring light. We are stuck, if you will, in this fallen world and condition. And the text is saying, the Lord invades the dome. That He's coming to get right into the mess. He comes, verse 68 says, to our world. By his mercy, by his mercy, enters our issues. He comes to get right into the nitty and the gritty, and he comes to know it and know us. Verse 69 says that he comes with a, with a horn of salvation, which is, which is the strength and the right and the power and the authority all in one person that God has not left us to figure it out. He's not left you and me in this world and its governments and its politics to sit down and try to figure out a way to be merciful and make it right. Scripture says he comes with the horn of salvation, that, that he comes with a power and justice that is outside of this world but invading to this world. Now, I think about our own fascinations With the idea of a superman. Just, we love some superman. We we create a new superman, there would be no movies that I'd like to do, action flicks and stuff. There would be none of those if there weren't the concept or this desire to have a superman. Not just powerful, but someone who's moral. Someone who's kind of like Superman, unaffected and uninfected by the world. You know, our world's a lot like Gotham City. There's no light. It's dark. There's no chance that the guy in a nice-looking suit, that he's good. There's no chance that good people are ever powerful enough. Superman characters feed our need and fantasy that we have for someone to trust in. We want an alien who makes it his or her end to be benevolent to a messed up world. We all kind of deep down have this childhood hope that somebody from someone somewhere else who isn't Democrat, who isn't Republican, who isn't white, who isn't black, he's just super man. He's going to come and make a difference. You know, it's a feeling I got the other day. I'm. Last week, um, the house next door to me um, caught on fire. One of the rooms in their homes caught on fire, and and, 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 um, the fire engines came. I'm going to tell you, I felt like a little boy again. I'm just sitting on my porch looking at the fireman. Thank you, Mr. Fireman. You know, just there was something in my heart. I wanted to cry, you know, and see these men, and they, they got the equipment, and they had the holes, and I mean, the blaze was coming out, and they just boom, ran right in there, and it just reminded me, like, one, this is kind of off a little bit, but one of them had, like, the 9-11 thing on there, and it just totally brought back memories. I mean, I almost broke down crying sitting in there, thinking, these guys just get the equipment, they hear the call for help, they get in their truck, they don't know how much fire is there, or how many people are in there, they don't know where they have to go, they put their equipment on. They they don't even live in your neighborhood necessarily. They drive to it. They go in and they risk their lives. And I'm just sitting there thinking, thank you, Mr. Fireman. Well, what drives this is not only their ability, but somehow in my mind the firemen are nice. You know? Here's the nice guys. They're the nice American... I can't say... This is a nice guys, you know, and, and they come and they help and they, they look like the type, you know, even if they were fighting a the fire, they would still give me a chance to pose with the fire truck, as inappropriate as that would be, but I mean, just it seems like they would let me put the helmet on and ask questions and, and you know me, I was believing it. Hey, uh, so tell me a little bit about what you guys do. What fire truck, you know, me, I'm just running right my mouth because I'm attracted to these guys because they come in when people who have asked for help and they're nice. Someone was there to help with all the bravery and authority and power and niceness to do it. God has and is agreeing not only to bring justice to the world, but like those firemen, to be nice to the world. Isn't that a great word? God is going to be nice. Ever wonder why Superman does it? It's his mission. But more than that is actually his alien DNA and character. You know, his dad talked to him and put the crystal in the thing and says, You're not like humans. You're not human. You're here to be different. Well, God doesn't just come and do mercy for us. He is merciful. I mean, he is a help to the undeserving and powerless. Our world is on fire and here he comes w- with a smile, if you will, to come in and do it. And of course, he's going to investigate to see if, you know, if somebody did something wrong and, and make it right. But he's coming in with a smile in his justice. He, he no, no, he, he, God doesn't, he, he, now get this. Apart from what your world looks like, what does mercy say? God is not mean. Or apathetic. Don't get me. He is just as strong. He ain't plain. Don't don't get. He ain't plain. He is the police. He'll lock you up. I mean, he'll take care of things. But he is full of mercy. He is filled with a character that says. I love outside of what people deserve. I help outside of what people should get. I invade the world with me, with my personality, with mercy that they need so desperately. And in his invasion, God is inviting the world to himself. Now, sometimes when read these songs, you have to read them a lot of times because they're really packed. Let's read again, 73 through 75. Right. Now, he's, he's, he's talking, he says, He's going to remember the oath he swore to our father Abraham, verse 74, to rescue us from the hand of our enemies and to enable us to serve him without fear in, the holy, in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. Now, the relationship and continuing care for the descendants of Abraham, the Jews, is all because God showed them mercy. What Do you understand what he's saying? This group of people who had gone through slavery and genocide and famine, whose world was invaded by God one day, they were actually invited in that mercy, that they were given grace to see him and believe him, that God is invading with mercy, that he's bringing relief for a fallen world. Why? So that people can experience and know him. You know, God's that guy on a date that opens the doors, you know, and pays for the meal. He wants to be more than just friends. I mean, he, wants you to, he wants you to know him. Why is he merciful? Because he wants to have relationship with people. His mercy is, verse 79 it says, shines a light on those in darkness and brings warmth to the cold and forgotten to no longer be blinded by the world's sin inside and outside. But to have like, the lights go on when God is nice to you and merciful to you, to have the lights go on and you be able to see him and his love. Understand, it is the end of mercy. This is what mercy's goal is that the effects of sin would be countered. Not just for physical relief, but that we would believe that there is a God That relief would point to a person, not a trendy concept, not a bunch of soup kitchens, but but that mercy is fulfilling, that those things ultimately come full circle when God and the comfort of his being there, the comfort of his person and presence is revealed. That you can look to heaven like Zechariah says and say, there is a merciful God behind these great and wonderful acts. God is saying, take comfort. When you feel mercy, when you feel relief, I want you to know this. I am here. I am he. I am the Lord your God, full of mercy and justice in and for your pain. And as he invades and then invites with his mercy in line with his goals, God actually calls a people to himself, a people who have been shown mercy. I want you to realize when he says that we we that God's going to show mercy, and remember his covenant, that we can come before him without fear to worship and righteousness and holiness. What is he saying? That the distinguishing category for God's people. Is that they have been shown mercy, a mercy shown to them by a God who called them to be his people. Not of any righteousness of their own. It was mercy that freed them, literally. Remember Moses and they were trapped in Egypt? It was God's mercy, but also a mercy that freed them to enjoy God, freed them to serve God, freed them to experience God, freed them to experience Him in holiness and righteousness, a freedom they didn't have when they were in bondage to sin and darkness and evil. That this freedom is no longer This freedom to to no longer fear, to to no longer fear the the desolation and distress of the world, to no longer fear whether God cares for them. It is all because God was merciful to reveal himself to them. Here is mercy. That God opened their eyes and lives so they could see him. Then he made them clean enough to be free to stand before an awesome and holy God whom they had not known before he invaded their lives. And with that, he gave them a land and a name and a kingdom and protection and care in real time and real space against the evils of the world. Things that would seek to kind of cut them off from him and his goodness. They became God's family. His people are those who have received and known him as a merciful God. Now, now Look what John will be a witness to in the following verses again. Verse 77 and 79. Well, let's start at 76. And this is Zechariah talking to his boy, John. And you, my child, will be called a prophet of the most high. For you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him, to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of sins because of the tender mercy of our God by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the path of peace. He will be a witness to the fact that God is coming to bring salvation to the world shine upon the world the relief of his mercy. That God is coming to forgive sins. That people will be freed to know a holy God in an unholy world. Now, that mercy means that we're freed from the guilt of not doing or being enough. Of not being and doing good enough. That mercy means that you're free to give the load of the world and your problems to God and he comes to do so In the person of Jesus Christ. Here is one distinction that separates Christians from non Christians. You'd be surprised that it isn't religion, it's that God has been merciful to them through Jesus Christ. And they have been made to know it. How will we describe Christians? They're like bums. Who have been victimized by the desolation and distress of the world just like everyone else and are admittedly victims of their own mistakes and issues who have been welcomed to be treated like God's own family that one day God found them on the streets. And treated them kindly and brought them in by Jesus. And he gave them a key to his house and his refrigerator and his cars. So they get more of him and his care and comfort and mercy. So that God's powerful invasion of our lives. By Jesus, it actually changes us. Now look at verse 68 one more time. Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come and has redeemed his people. Jesus is God's mercy having come for the world. Jesus is the son. No no pun intended. It makes plenty of sense, but he is the son talked about in verse 79. His coming shines light and hope in our darkness, and it leads into peace, the peace of knowing and being known by God. It's God's mercy. He, Jesus, is the fullness of God's mercy, and it is his birth here that makes John's birth so critical. He is giving an announcement that mercy is coming to proclaim the birth of mercy to the world. And so John becomes a herald. His actions are a doormat, if you will. They're a sign that points. And Zechariah's proclamation then is more than just a prophecy of his son John. It brings light to the call on those who have been called by and through the operation of God's mercy to themselves be a show of mercy and we see some things going on here that god has redeemed people as his own that they are not they were not righteous or good on their own that they were sort of like the undeserving drunken and selfish and lonely and hurting uh homeless that because of jesus sacrifice to come and redeem them, they have access to a Lord that has already invaded and rescued them. Now, again, don't believe the hype of what you often see as a well-put-together church and church people on Sundays. If you ever been to the rescue missions or shelters for the abuse or been in one or in the prisons... Sometimes you see people who have been treated badly and abused and even have abused and now they're looking for hope, for warmth. Maybe some reform and have found it or, or have found it or better yet, been forced off the streets where they would have died in their spiritual numbness or their stubborn, deranged beliefs that they can help themselves. And guess what? Christians are just like that. That one day we were just in the cold about to die. That somehow in your mind you thought you had it together, that you were living okay, but to God you were headed down the wrong path. And one day Jesus came and said, hey, you, you need to be in the shelter. You need my mercy. No, Jesus is like the loving big brother who has to go and find his addicted or deranged brother or sister. It is a love story of what being a Christian is really about. It begins and is sustained by God's mercy. And your Christian friends or the people you see in leadership or in consistent attendance here on Sunday and even preaching up here are the world. Or what the world would call losers. I mean, the story of believers is that one day they realize after they were brought into the rescue mission by Jesus that they would have frozen and died without his And so believers are a show of God's mercy. But in that, they're called like John to be a priest, that God shows mercy so that the covenant promise was not only that they would be blessed, but with God's relief from heaven as a result of them being blessed, that they would be a blessing to the world. John was called to baptize with water. A cleansing of promise that God would and has promised to finally help them and cleanse them and free them from a fallen world. It was a real element, it was a physical sign of, of God's coming redemption and, 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 and repentance based on what Jesus would come to do. Now, let me talk again to the Christians or so called Christians just for a minute. Mercy ministry is not about your righteousness. That in helping people and feeding people and doing acts of justice and helping people out financially, it's about being an instrument of God's mercy on those that are hurt. Why? That they would possibly see and know the unconditional love of Jesus. It's not and has never been about the together people helping the not so together people. It's one recovering drunk bum to another, proclaiming and offering a blanket. Something that you have received out of God's mercy for their comfort so that they may possibly feel and see how merciful God is. That they may be, as you are waiting together on that warm bench when Jesus comes by to get you again, that maybe he will pick them up too. Some of you are living and practicing a lie. Some of you are fooling yourself into believing that that your good works have made you a Christian, your mercy works, and yes, you you look just like one. Hard to tell. You're so good at mercy ministry, and you may have even felt the mercy of God, but but if your testimony fails to be driven and point to Jesus, not to church or religion or for them to do more works of righteousness, but what these things themselves point to, If your life ultimately is not driven and points to a relationship with Jesus, mercy fulfilled, then you yourself have not known and making known the end of what mercy is really about. So it can't be just about you trying to make things right. Mercy just can't be about you're hurting hard to make things right because you can't. Mercy's mission cannot be separated from the missionary. Which is Jesus. The song of Zechariah is not about the birth of his son, but a praise of the one who comes and will be known through the works of his son, John. It is not the birth of John that gives Zechariah lasting hope, it's the birth of mercy that John's place in the world signifies and points to. Now, you may be sitting in church today believing. That these people are so great and have so much potential for community and world, and that's true. People here, they're okay. But God's hope is not that you dote on how great and nice and warm they are, but that you would see that mercy has been born in them and mercy in Jesus Christ is extended to you. I, mean, I urge you. So many of us uh, come here and I I love you, but understand what mercy's end is. I urge you bring the blanket one day, I don't know when, but urge you to bring the blanket of God's mercy that leads you here off the streets of loneliness, looking for fellowship, looking for relief, maybe looking just to hear some good music that makes you feel better, or maybe you're seeking a better life in a world. But I hope that you come in and realize here mercy has been born, that Jesus Christ is alive and he's offering mercy. That mercy is realized in a relationship with God for you. That whether you're Christian or non-Christian, mercy only has and is, has and is and has been born in Jesus Christ. Jesus is the beginning and end of mercy. That if you have not known him, you have unfulfilled mercy. He's the birth of mercy in your heart and in your community and in this world. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, remind us of how you're merciful to us and for us in sending Jesus to us to give relief, hope for our community, and hope for our loneliness. Thank you, Lord, for being merciful. Show us that mercy is a person. That mercy is alive. That mercy has been born. And his name is Jesus. This we pray in his name.
0: Amen.